guys are afraid to raise your hands in worship because it's a little warm. <laughs> uh, um, but we want to encourage a atmosphere of celebration and sacredness. Amen. His grace is enough. Uh, as we begin today, I was just reflecting this week, and as you can see, you know, what the message is going to be about today. Um, but people are willing to do all kinds of things for love. Hint. They want to, right? They do. You know, looking back at on your life, uh, the crazy things you did for love, some of the things make you smile, laugh, some things probably cringe. Uh, but people will do almost anything to be loved. And many people spend most of their life seeking to be loved and doing whatever it takes to receive love. In fact, some people have gone down some bad paths because they were trying so hard to be loved that they were willing to do anything to be loved. Yet the Christian view of love is much different than how the world defines love. Uh, the Christian view is this. We are loved, and so we love. And we need to get that out of all things that I've not preached the best that I should have. It is the love of God. Uh, that God loves us. Uh, as we sing that song, reckless love. It, it almost seems reckless. That somebody would give up the 99 to go after one. Mathematically, that doesn't make sense. In a business, in any kind of business decision you make, you would never say, well, we'll let go of these other profitable situations to go after a lost cause in a business. But that's the love of God. He is coming after us. There's no mountain that's too high. There's no wall that's too high. There's no darkness. He is coming after us. We are loved and so we love. Actually, the Bible teaches us we love because he first loved us. And, and I'll go a little deeper and say that we don't even really understand love until we encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And here it is. God is this great initiator of love, this love story we call salvation. Ultimately, when we're preaching the gospel to someone, telling about Jesus to, to find forgiveness in him, it's that they encounter the love of God. Salvation is a love story. And once we realize and understand this great love that God has for us, it motivates us to love others the same way. Uh, you cannot say you're a Christian today if you hate other people. I read the, the, the first letter of the Apostle John. If you have hate for your brother in your heart, you don't know Jesus Christ. And that we are to love as we have been loved by God. So the question today is not... What will you do to be loved? That is the doctrine of the world. The question is, because you are loved so much, what will you do? Because you've encountered this great love of God, that he has, he has sought you when you were in sin. He went after you when you were in complete darkness. He rescued you from death. This great love, because of this, what will you do? And the Apostle John tells us plainly in, his, in the scriptures um, that we need to do something when we encounter this love. And I want you to see that today. If you would, you can turn in your Bible. We have it on the screen. Um, I saw something funny this week. Raise your hand if you know what a Babylon Bee is. 
hilarious satire site and make, they, they do some funny stuff about Christianity. And it said, uh, local pastor, you know, does a sermon series on love and thunder of God, equal to four. And it says, no wonder people are not reading their Bibles anymore when you're preaching about all the movies all the time, right? Sermon series after sermon series about movies. And I, I wrestled those things, but here it is. I want you to know, why does Pastor Jerry tell us to open the Bible or use your version Bible app? Because we need the Word of God. If you want the will of God for your life, you need to be in the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. So Paul writes this letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 11 and 13 through 15. It's a portion of what Mary has already read. But I want you to know, in this text, if you were to go back, Paul is basically describing the ministry of reconciliation. And what that means is that the world is in sin. And that because God loved you so much, he sent his son into the world to reconcile those who were away from God back to himself. That through this redemptive plan, God has made a way for those who were at war with God, who hated God, who were living in sin. He's made a way for the relationship to come back. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. And that's why the church is here. That we are ambassadors the ministry of reconciliation. We have ambassadors go all over the world that represent the U.S. Christianity has ambassadors of the good news of Jesus Christ and his love. Verse 11 here, therefore, um, old pastor used to say when it said, therefore, you need to know why it's therefore. What is therefore? So we just explain that. So here it is. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Paul is writing this letter to this church. They get this. Verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Basically, Paul's saying here, if we look crazy to you, <laughs> if we look out of our minds, it is for your good. If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14. But the love of Christ controls us. The Apostle Paul and these missionaries were controlled by the love of God. Because we have con concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, meaning those who believe in Christ in the church. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, a wonderful message there, and who for their sake he died and was raised for us. That we no longer live the way we want to live. That we live according to God's life. Again, we are saved from something into something. We are delivered from bondage unto freedom. We are saved from sin unto salvation and holiness and sanctification. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we just uh, celebrate your holy name. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your love and your compassion your grace, your patience. We thank you for being patient with us while we were in sin, while we were ungodly. Christ died for us. And Lord, now that we have been saved, you've given us this wonderful ministry that we are ambassadors of this good news. And I pray that we embody this Lord, that you give us revelation to see this good news, 
that you really love that you love us and that you are in the business of saving lives, saving people out of sin, that they may be in relationship with you and live sanctified lives and rescue others. Bless your words as they go forward today in Jesus' name. The church, I haven't been able to get this passage out of my heart and mind this week. Um, for the love of Christ controls us. And Paul's not just saying himself. He's saying us, all of us, everyone in this missionary group, everyone that's trying to establish churches, everyone that's sharing the good news is controlled by the love of Christ. There's all kinds of controlling factors in our world today, our day-to-day -day life schedules. We have wants and, and needs and desires, albeit good or bad desires, and all kinds of major controlling factors. But today I want us to begin to review our life as we would any given Sunday morning and look at the things that are consuming our time, our mind and our desires, these controlling factors, and learn to cut these things away that we may be controlled by the love of Christ. Uh, if you're going to be controlled by anything today, you need to be controlled by the love of Christ. Amen? That this would control your very life. That we would be fully and utterly controlled by the love of Jesus Christ. Now, what are Christians to do? Well, what will we do? And I want you to see today the first thing that Paul mentions in verse 11 is that we are to persuade others. Uh, that means that we are to be in the business of convincing people of the love of Christ. Uh, to tell people, this is what Christ has done for me. Uh, you cannot answer every single person's question. There's all kinds of people in the world that have all kinds of questions, and you have people that are atheists, people that are servants of Satan, and they're going to ask you all kinds of questions just to tangle you up and confuse you, and this is the way you answer. Jesus Christ has saved He loved me, He has saved me, He has changed me, and that is my testimony. I can't, this is what I know. I know that I was blind, and now I see. I know that I was living in sin, and now I'm chasing after Jesus. This is my story. This is what God has done for me. Two things I want you to see here. This, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Is two things. Is that there should be some knowing, and there should be some persuading. And the first thing is that we need to know God. I cannot persuade others to believe in Jesus Christ unless I know him myself. How can I even tell people about this Jesus unless I have encountered him and believed in him myself? One of the greatest game changers in this thing we call Christianity is knowing God. That I know this mighty God who set everything in motion. I have a relationship with this all-powerful God. And being in relationship with him and him with you is this game changer. I am in relationship with God, and He is in relationship with me. Now, there's things that we teach in Christianity, doctrine, things that we must believe that make us Christian. And there's something called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And part of this is there's something called a catechism. A catechism is a series of questions and answers to disciple young people. It, this is a question about God. This is the answer, and predominantly they come from Scripture. The very first question in the Westminster Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? 
the question basically is for that time period is, what is the meaning of life? Isn't that what people want to know? What is this all about? What is the meaning of life? And the answer is, man's chief end of the meaning of life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That means you need to be in relationship with God. And that your life purpose is to glorify Him, to please God and be pleased by God, to enjoy God. Now, a lot of Christians walk around like they're not enjoying anything. They're frustrated and mad. I've said this time and time again lately because I know I'm preaching something serious, so you have a serious look. Uh, but it's okay to say, you know what? I enjoy God. It, I, I, I am pleased by Him. He takes care of me. He provides for me. He gives me purpose. And here it is. that This is the meaning to be in relationship with God. My older brother teaches apologetics. And he would, he would say this, and he was asked, uh, what is the meaning of life? And he answers it this way, to know God and to make him known. At the end of the day, the Christian life is to know God and to make him known. That I know God, and now I am persuading others to also know God. So since we know the fear of the Lord, Paul says here, we are now part of God's great mission to proclaim this good news, to make him known. And by, not just verbally, I think we should be preaching and teaching and telling people about God, proclaiming the resurrection, but living it out that people can see God living in your life. I want to make him known. I want to tell people about him. I want them to see Christ in me. I want to be a part of building his kingdom to make disciples to persuade of the church. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in him, and you are saved, you need to tell other people. I don't know what has happened to Christianity where it got to where I go to church and tell no one else about Jesus. And there's a song we used to sing, and I love the song. It's a cool song. Being I love that song from the country. Those are some cool country songs. Well, you might have your own thing going, but you need to tell some other people to be a part of that. You know, we've kind of bought into that. It's just this personal, you know, this personal thing between me and God. Uh, but we need to tell others about Jesus. If you've been invited to church in Christ, you need to invite others. We need to really get. I've been telling you, we need to get out of the caves. We need to come out of hiding. The church of Jesus Christ has been released 2,000 years ago. We were sent a, a powerful force in the world. If you've been found, you need to be finding some people. Uh, Jesus is in the business of seeking and saving. We've been found by him. Now we're in the business of finding other people. If we've been persuaded, we persuade others. The good question, the big question here is, do you know this God. If you know him, you make him known. If you've been persuaded to believe, if you've been convinced of this good news, you convince others to know him. Knowing him is the great game changer. A lot of people today is they're caught up in religiosity. And I can tell, and I, I've worked with a lot of young people over the years that have been brought up in church. And the problem is a lot of people were brought up in churchianity and not Christianity. Christianity is all the stuff first. Uh, Christianity 
Christianity is the stuff that will tear people up. Christianity is the relationship with God that saves. And I keep the rules. I want to follow Jesus because I'm in love with him. Uh, but that is the game. If you know him, you know his love. You know how real this love is. I was just thinking as we were singing this morning about this love of God. The second thing I want you to see here is the love of Christ, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. As we were singing about the reckless love of God, I was thinking about uh, the woman that came to Jesus. He's been invited to this Pharisee's home. And the way it was at that time is that people could come and sit in in these conversations and the meals and they could have the leftovers. So there was a crowd usually in a home. It wasn't just, hey, I invited Jesus over to someone else. There was lots of people following Jesus and they were allowed to come into the home or stand outside to listen to the conversation. And Jesus, this woman just does this weird thing. If you were at any kind of dinner party and some woman busted open some perfume and started wiping, you know, somebody's feet with their hair and tears, you'd be like, that's kind of weird, you know? Uh, but when you're in love with Jesus, you'll do some radical things. And so this guy, this Pharisee that has invited Jesus into his home says, if he knew, if he was a prophet, knew what kind of woman this was, he would stop her from doing this. And of course, he is God, so he knows what the Pharisee is saying, Simon. So Simon, let me ask you a question, and he gives this parable, but he basically is saying, those who have been forgiven much, love much. He said, I came into your home, you didn't wash my feet, you gave me no kiss, no hug, none of these things. This woman, she's been forgiven. She's given up this perfume. She's crying. She realizes her tears are falling on the feet of Jesus and leaving marks as she starts wiping Jesus' feet. And there's this form of worship that we think is radical and weird. Where we're from in the South, people, woo! You know, sometimes, Mike, uh, on Sunday mornings, you know, we'll say something, he goes, woo I love that! I was in one church, and the, um, the worship leader was jamming out. He was hitting this, like, I had the wham thing going, whatever that thing was Hit a note, and I was like, yeah! And somebody said, shh! <laughs> I was like, are you not enjoying this? You know, this is good. When you're in love with Jesus, because of his love for you, you will do radical things. And here it is, the love of Christ. That we have to know his love. Do you know his love? Have you encountered him and encountered his, his forgiveness? It will make you radically change the direction of your life. God's love today, sadly, church, has been distorted. Time and time again, those who do not know uh, God or his love, they tout his love. They talk about God is all loving. What they mean by that is that he permits me to live in sin. That he permits me to continue to live the way I want to live. Christians have God's love thrown in their face uh, as a mockery when dealing with wicked behavior of people in our culture. Is it God a God of love? You've heard that, correct? Doesn't the Bible teach God's love? Doesn't the Bible teach that you can't judge? Doesn't John 3.16 say, For God so loved the world? All those things are true. Um, I love my kids. There's times I'm disappointed with my kids. But I will always love my kids. But my love does not uh, give them a pass to live in sin. In fact, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something because I love my kids. 
And there's going to come a time where you have these precious little ones. Oh, my little baby. Sleeping. You're in love. And then they stay up all night crying. Like, oh, my God. What is this thing? They get a little older and they're beautiful. People are toddlers and you're doing little birthday parties for them. And people are coming in your love and children. And then all of a sudden, all right, good parents. And they become teenagers. This little sweet creature becomes something that's like, you can't even walk through your home without them getting, ah! You're like, I'm about to become Catholic, we're about to have an exorcism. <laughs> you know? And they're like that. And, and, and Jessica and I, we, we know we've done our best to raise our kids to follow Jesus. It is not perfect. And one day, one of your kids, they're going to do something that disappoints you. And they may go down a path that you don't want them to go down. I'm Pastor Dad. I told them that from the beginning. I'm your dad. I'm not telling you this because I'm a pastor. I'm telling you this because I'm your dad. But I'm also a pastor, and I care. And I do not have a problem telling my kids this is the wrong thing. I love you, but this is wrong. My love for them doesn't stop. But my love for them doesn't permit them to live in sin without me saying so. Uh, and the church has kind of lost this accountability and the real love of God that actually says, this is true love. Did I care about you enough to tell you? The culture counts this false love of God that you can continue to live however you want to and God just steal. Everything is okay because God is love, right? But what we're dealing with is God's love for us, not my definition of what this love is. I want you to know how twisted things have become in our culture and how love has been twisted. Uh, people call murdering an unborn baby loving. This has never happened in human history. I want you to pay attention to this. What, and I'm not just pounding on certain issues. I want you to know because these are issues we're dealing with, so I'm going to deal with you. The church has gone long enough without talking about what needs to be talked about. It needs to talk about sex, it needs to talk about life, it needs to talk about human sexuality, the things we need to speak to. Because we are a people of love and we want to see people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Churches and pastors are saying that abortion is holy and loving. When has that ever been in human history? Why is it now? Because we are actually seeing apostasy take place. And I talked to you about persecution, but persecution is not the greatest challenge of the church. It is seduction from the inside. That people that claim to be Christian and priests and all these things are saying things that are not Christian or loving. We're actually living in the times of what the prophets said would happen. That they would call good, bad, and that which is bad, good. People have said killing a baby as a loving act. That's the most unloving thing you can do. Now, I always like to preface this because at any given moment I can speak about divorce, correct? We could have somebody that's been through multiple relationships and divorces. Um, we want to teach people to stay together, to be in love the best that we can, and people do because they're selfish or whatever happens. Divorces happen, and of course, there's forgiveness there. Well. Same thing. We've been a, a, a church that's promoted life support, uh, true care, and, and pro-life organizations. When we understand that some women have had abortions, uh, there is forgiveness and grace for that. But we want to encourage people not. Uh, we are a people of love. I'll use that as an example, say where we are a culture. Um, my wife and I have all kinds of friends from different places, um, different paths in their life. Uh, you know, God transformed my life in 2003. 
I took a new path. There's people I went to school with, I'm friends with, and all over the place that are on other paths. We love them, but they're not living for God. And I do my best to continue to love people. So as a pastor, obviously, and as a Christian, I post certain things to promote God and to talk about righteousness and truth and grace, all these things. But obviously I'm friends with people who are not Christians or who are fake Christians. And those who you, you fight with the most are the fake guys. Um, so we have friends all over. We have a mutual friend, and I want you to hear this today. This is very important. We have a, a mutual friend that we went to school with, really good uh, close friend at one time. Uh, we actually partied with at one time. And the problem is we're in our 40s, and we have people that are still partying in their 40s that we went to school with. Uh, ladies, you cannot be forever 21. I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. <laughs> but, uh, but people are trying. They're trying. Um, this particular person I love, and many people uh, lived a very promiscuous life. I'm just hopping around relationship, 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 relationship. And from time to time, there's people I went to school with, there's people we used to do ministry with, and my heart sinks because I have all daughters and I want the best for them, and I watch women, and I have a heart for that because I've seen so, so many women abused. Uh, one in three to four women have been sexually abused by someone they know and love. Just knowing these things and pastoring and watching what's taking place in the world and, and whatever's happening to people, it, it breaks my heart and it's something that I care about. Um, the one person I, I said, you know, you need to go after, you know, a good guy. And what they said, it, it's hard to find a good guy that's not either a pervert, meaning that we're in a relationship and they want to have sex. As soon as we're in a relationship, they say they're a Christian, they just want to have sex. They want nudes. Hey, you said nudes. I mean, it's just normal. Some of you guys, are, you don't know that's going on, but your, your kids are being asked to send nudes all the time. So it's hard to find a guy that's not a pervert, an addict, I mean, he's drunk or he's addicted to something, or a perpetual bum. Those are the three. I mean, I, they're saying that I'm struggling with this, you know, and so uh, perpetually unemployed, self-employed kind of guy that they end up having to take care of. And so she would say, it's hard to find a good man. And over time, obviously, um, you know, people are willing to give up their, their character, their boundaries, instead of living a celibate life. At this point in my life, if anything, I encourage celibacy um, to wait, to abstain, because going down the wrong path causes so much destruction. But this particular friend of ours, uh, she couldn't find the love she was looking for. So now she is living as a lesbian. So she's relationship, 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 doesn't work out guys, I'm gonna try something new, I'm going to go into a relationship, uh, multiple lesbian relationships. Now as I said, I want you to know, I love, we love her, we love the, everybody, um, but she has a distorted understanding of God's truth and love. And I'll share that with you because this is culture. Every, by the way, if you don't have a friend who is gay, or, or whatever, you probably should if you don't have them already. I mean, our, I was introduced to that at a young age. Our uh, liberal school took us on a field trip to a women's prison when I was a freshman in high school. And I was like, <laughs> uh, So I got broke in really early and did some of these things and understanding that. But here it is. We love, but a lot of people you guys know have a distorted understanding of love and truth and who God is. So I posted something during Pride Month, and I call it Perverted Pride Month. Out of all things that you're going to grab onto, Pride, um, hopefully it will be called Life Month. 
the block propagated in this rainbow coming down. Right. Basically to say that we can protect our families from the distortion that people forced on them. So I posted that, and she comes in knowing that I'm a pastor and a Christian, and she comes in from time to time, and I take my time to answer well, because I love people, and you'll watch. Uh, I'll say thank you for sharing this or that. So this is not my message on human sexuality, this is just a section we're gonna get into more in-depth uh, understanding she says, wow, the Bible also teaches you to love one another. Love thy neighbor. God created us. He knew who we would be even before us. But I guess that part we're just going to skip over. Good times. Boom. There. Moves on. And I get a response. And I ask also, if she wants to ask, you can ask me privately at any given moment when I believe. Um, but all of that, which she said, is true. We are to love our neighbors. God is love. Uh, the Bible teaches love. But she excludes something, and this is it. I want you guys to hear it. It excludes the fall and the reality of sin. And here it is. The world is fallen. The world is in sin. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came in the world to go around and high-five everybody. I love you, brother. Let's keep on living the way we live. It's not that at all. He also said he was going to go to the cross to die for us. Um, just saying God is love doesn't deal with righteousness. Uh, it doesn't deal with holiness. It doesn't deal with obedience. We are to be an obedient people that believe in Jesus Christ. Now here it is. I share this because we're, we are in a great challenge. Because false teachers have come up into the church and you have been taught and indoctrinated to fear talking about these issues that you won't even talk about. You're afraid to deal with And I don't understand why, because what Christian wants to be called unloving? And it, you're unloving. That's the worst thing for a Christian to be called as unloving. But no, no, no. We truly love. If I see someone going towards a cliff, I want to stop them and tell them. If somebody's in a burning building, I want to help them. If somebody's in a sinking ship, and this ship is going down. Christ is in the business of rescue. We're in the business of rescuing people. Here it is. Uh, all of that was what she said made sense. In this, uh, these biblical truths, love, God's grace, all these things get co-opted by the homosexual agenda for a different purpose. It's much like saying abortion is actually loving. I don't even like using the word abortion anymore because it cleans it up. We're saying chopping a baby up to pieces is a loving act. It's not loving. Trust me, I want you to know this too, where the, where the homosexual pride flag goes up, uh, Christian teachings disappear. I'm not, I don't want you to go necessarily go to one of these liberal churches, but go where they're flying the flag, the gay flag. Out of all things in human history, out of all flags, out of all logos, that that one is being flown over churches. And the, the, the cross comes down, this is not taught from, and people get a distorted understanding of who God is. Um, and here it is. Love in the homosexual movement is more about accepting sinful behaviors, typically associated with perversion and a distortion of what God intended. God is in the business of saving people out of sin. And back into the right relationship with him. And him recreating you into what he wanted. You were made in the image of God. So when 
friend says, God knew what you would become. Well, that's true. But he's in the business of making you what he wants you to be. Uh, you've heard me say this time and time again, God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. God is in the business of saving us from our sins. You were created by God, made in his image and with a purpose, and God knew who you would become, either good or evil, and he wants you to return to what he intended, not what you want to be. God has a purpose for you, and it is to be holy. God does not celebrate a life away from him. Our culture is celebrating lifestyles that are running from God. Again, we've talked about we are running from something and to something. We're running from sin and chasing Jesus. This world keeps grabbing at this idea of God's love. Instead of understanding it, they've twisted it and made it into something else altogether. Now here, you have to use wisdom. When do I talk about this? Or if I do talk about it. I mean, God has been patient with us. We have to be patient with our family members and our friends. Uh, I don't go around pounding people over the head uh, with the truth. You're like, you're pounding us right now. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that you have to decide when is the right time for this. You have to build a relationship to even speak into somebody's life. Uh, but it needs to be talked about eventually. And we pray, and I pray this about right Lord, I pray for this Lord up. I pray for you to work in this purpose, this person's life. Because I can share this information all day long, but without the power of prayer, that we're, we're left without power. The power of prayer changes people's lives. So here it is. The Bible does not say this. I have this up here. I want you guys to know because the scriptures are being twisted. The Bible does not say, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for no reason. That whosoever kind of believes in him will continue to live the way that they want, and it's okay even if it's in disobedience to God, and live unloving towards others and forget the whole perishing part of John 3.16, uh, you can just have everlasting life just because you said so. And here it is, at this point in time, in the 2020s, people are just making it up now. I want to live this way, God is love, and you have to believe what I believe, the things that I have changed. This is the real truth of the scriptures uh, which go forward. The love of Christ is this. I want you to hear this. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us. Listen, while we were still sinners, if the world is in sin and God loves us so much, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of Christ for us. He's not in the business of uh, permitting this. He's patient with us, but the job is to save us and reconcile us back to himself. God's love for us is so great, it overcomes what we want. God did this radical work in my life in 2003. I was not beating on doors of churches. Well, hey, can I be a pastor? Who wants to be a pastor in the 2020s? I mean, who wants to be doing it? Amen, Mike. We're going to hand the back. 
God's moving today. Uh, but seriously, who wants to teach the truth of God in a world where people are pushing against the pastor, pushing against the churches? This is the true love of God here. In fact, this love is so great, Paul says, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ in me. I'm not even the same person. Like, I, when I started meeting people after God was doing this radical work in my life, I had to go up to the people from my past and apologize. I, that is literally conversations I had with multiple people. I want you to know I did this to you, and I'm sorry. I'm not that person anymore. I've had people that we were in relationships in the past that want to make friends on Facebook, and I have to send them a message. I can be friends with you on Facebook, but we're not doing any of this good life crisis weirdo stuff where you're looking for someone. I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm not doing any of this secret love society and stuff on social media. Uh, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I'm sorry for this thing I said because it is no longer I that lives, but Christ in me. People of the world keep trying to do what they uh, live the way they want to live in sin, away from God and claiming it as His love and approval of their life. But Jesus is not in the business of approving sin. Jesus is in the business of dying for our sin. Forgiving our sin, and this is the great thing, canceling our sin. I mean, he nailed it to the cross. It's buried in the sea far as east is from the west. And he cancels this debt of sin and saves us from it. And it's all because of what? His love, his grace for us. And this is the last thing you're like, Pastor, this is going on and on and on. You keep talking about this love of Jesus. I don't know what, why are we here today? The love of Christ controls us. Verse 14, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. We are in the society where people are living for themselves. Christ is in the business of reconciling us to himself, that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him Amen. who, for their sake, died and was raised. Christ has died for you. He was risen for you. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, waiting to come back for his bride, and we need to be prepared. And Paul says it here, the love of Christ controls us. Church, does the love of Christ control you? We are controlled by all kinds of things. And I want you to know, here it is. I am 46. I'm trying to pursue Jesus with everything that I am. But I don't know that the love of Christ really controls me. I don't want it to. I want this love of God. I want to embody the love of Christ. God, God is doing this new thing and he's showing me some stuff that I need to just move away because it is what we were sharing this morning in our class. It's a time grab. It is grabbing my time away from God and the ministry I need to be in and praying for our family members and friends. Instead, we are entertaining ourselves to be numb to the reality of what's happening. I challenge you, if you, if you cancel your, all your streaming services and take a break from social media and these things, just for a few weeks, you go back on, you'll be like, man, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. But we're so, we're watching it, we're being indoctrinated by it, that we don't even see the reality of what's going on in the world. And the love of Christ should control us in how we live. What controls you? Is it your career? I know many people, their career controls them. Their family. I mean, remember when the churches used to be packed out, and then they invented term, uh, 
what is it? Uh, tournament teams. I'm sorry, Pastor, we got to travel. We're on this traveling team. I know my people never make professional ball, but we got to pretend that they're going to at this point. We're traveling all over. Um, money controls people. You got to have that money to pay for that stuff. You got to get that overtime to pay for that stuff that you even have time to use. Uh, your friends, family members, uh, what they buy, when you see they have controls us. Whoever, anyone who wants you to do what they want you to do that has an influence over your life, uh, it could be just utter hidden sin that controls your life. Paul declares this victorious statement for himself, for the other Christians that are involved in this ministry. The law of Christ controls us. This is why we are here. This is why I do what I do. I share that with my friend. This is why I do what I do. I'm in the business of sharing the gospel. I'm not going to twist it. I'm not going to change it. People need the truth and the true love of God. This word control here at times appears in some translations as constraints. Um, in some translations, it makes it seem that the love is preventing us. In some ways, God is controlling and preventing us from living in sin because he wants us to be sanctified and to be holy. Um, but it doesn't mean to be restricted or strapped down. What he means is that the love of Christ pushes us forward. I'm controlled by this love. What else can I do with it? I have to move forward. I want, I want to learn more about this loving God. I want to tell people about this loving God because the love of God controls me. It pushes us forward. This, this love of Christ, it motivates us to do ministry. I like doing ministry. Some people do whatever they, they come, and they're going to get out of here. So they come in late and leave early. Nothing else. The love of Christ makes me want to wash some dishes. Amen? I'm, I'm injured. Somebody else has to step up. <laughs> the love of Christ calls us to give out the word of God with conviction. With love and grace, the best way to define this word, this control, is to say that God's love controls us in such a way that this love is uncontrolled by the world. It is fully in tune with the love that is in Christ. It is not twisted or mixed up. I am controlled by the love of Christ. I'm not controlled by the lust of the world. I'm not controlled by these other Factors pulling out on my life. The love of God controls us um, so much that this love demonstrated by God is demonstrated in our lives. That you're able to be patient with others because Christ was patient with you. That you're able to love the unlovable. That you're able to do life with people that you didn't do life with in the past. You know, I learned years ago that if you go after the people that other churches might not want, before long you'll have the people everybody wants. Because they are saved and encountered the law of Jesus Christ. The love of Christ helps me to truly love my neighbor and lead them to Christ. That we are so controlled by this love that we are not afraid to share the good news. It is good news because there's bad news that has to talk about. And that, when you really get the love of Christ and realize what he has saved you from, you don't need to change. you like, I'm not changing this. This delivered me. 
This good news saved me from my sin, and I've been rescued. I want others to be rescued. Um, this love of Christ moves us to pray for our enemy. It moves us to pray for the people we resent and we hate. I'm mad at this person. Why are they acting like this? And then you're convicted by the love of God. Yes, I did. I'm going to pray for them. Lord, help me demonstrate love to these people that I would consider my enemy. I love strangers. I, I love uh, helping people randomly. I, I'll just pray with somebody on the street. Do you do that? The love of Christ will compel you to pray with random people, to help random people, uh, to, to demonstrate the love of God that was demonstrated to you. And here it is. The love of Christ helps us fulfill this vision to reach down. That we engage life. The only way you're ever going to lead someone to Jesus Christ is one, you've got to be saved. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know this love. You've got to demonstrate this love. And you've got to tell them about this love. He saved us while we were still ungodly. Christ died for us. People are forever changed by the love of Christ. How can you not talk about it? I mean, I would, I would seriously think about it. Who was I before? And who am I now? God saved me from that. I want others to be saved. This love, this kind of love that's passionate for, for telling others that you've been saved by this real salvation. We have to play games with this. Again, we got to come to Jesus. We got to engage society, tell them, show them what we believe as Christians and clothing like this day comes. One last thing here to share. We're going to spend some time as we have there singing and praying. The altar will be open for you to come and spend time with God. The 1800s, there was a young girl. She's traveling with her father. He's having, he's having surgery in Germany. While they're there, they're staying with a pastor friend. The young girl's traveling with her dad, just roaming around the home. She sees this painting. It's captivating. Painting she saw was a crucifix, Christ being crucified. And somebody had written on the painting, I did this for thee. What hast thou done for me? And she was so convicted by this, she, she quickly took a piece of paper and wrote down those words, and, and she was led to write down a poem that later would be hung that somebody turned into a hymn. But I want you to hear these words that she jotted down. I gave my life. For thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst save me and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? The Christian worldview is that I am loved so much that now I am. I'm loved so much by Christ. I'm controlled by it that it motivates to do the same for others. Church, you would stand with us. We're going to sing. We're going to enter into a time of a prayer. If you want to come and pray, just ask for the, the love of Christ to move in your heart. God, you are the Lord, I dare I say that we can pray that prayer. I hope we are praying. Because you are all we want. Lord, that you move in our lives in such a way, Lord, that we are 
life unto us today, that we go out here refreshed and anointed with a fresh anointing to demonstrate the Lord. We pray that you continue to work mightily in our lives and in our church to save the to sanctify the church, and more than more set you up to serve you.